come to Psalm uh, 121. Psalm 1 to 1. Give you time to look, find it on your phones or in your Bible. You know, once upon a time, you used to say to people, turn to turn in your Bibles and you used to wear the flicker in the pages. But then a new generation came along and they used iPhones and whatever phones. And you think, why didn't they, didn't they bring the Bible to church anymore? These generation and all of a sudden they say, I've already got it. It's on my phone. So we have the, the techno generation and we have the, the uh, you know, the paper generation, which is you and I, the uh, us OLDs. <laughs> Carol said, I can hear Carol saying to me, speak for yourself. <laughs> so in Psalm 21, sorry, 121, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Now, if you look at, if I look out my window and I look to the right, I can see the hills, the Pennines, where Chris and Kath live in the good old Mosley and beyond. Here's, here's the, uh, the Psalm is saying, I lift my eyes to the hills. And then he says, where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? There's many places help can come from. Right now, if you're sick, the hospital, the doctor, places like that, they're the first places that people are looking for right now. But here David asks a very serious question, and it's a question that you and I must always keep asking ourselves. Where does my help come from? Who does it come from? And then he says this. He answers the question straight away. My help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So he asks, he asks himself the question and then he answers this question. But very often, many of us don't answer that question. We just say, who's my help? Where can I get help from? But here straight away, David shows us that his help comes from above. His help is the Lord. So I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Immediately, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, in, my, in the book I'm writing at the moment called Soul Health, I, I, I'm not going to go into it today. I'll keep my powder dry. That's for, for you to, to read when, uh, when it comes out. But I make a difference between a maker and a helper. There's a difference. Uh, but here David says, my helper and my maker. Now, he sees these as uh, being the same on one per or the same person. But he says this. Um, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. He who watches over you will not slumber. Thank goodness for that, that the one who's watching over me does not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel. Will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade and your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. This is a, a this is a distinct revelation that David's got of, of uh, God. And it's the same revelation that God wants you to have of him. Now, we're talking today on in our series of the discovery of knowing God. It's such a privilege and it's such an honor to know God and to be able to serve him. Why do I say that? Because there are many people around the world who's not been given the privilege to know him and serve him like you have and I have. But 
once you know him, it's keep getting to know him. What we, you know, that's the adventure. That's the discovery side of it. But let's read that again. I lift my eyes to the hills. Some people lift their eyes up to in their head when the, someone says something. You know, we've all done it. We all lift our, roll our eyes in our head in disbelief. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. My help, your help, our help comes from the Lord. Some will say it doesn't come from Boris Johnson. God is your Lord. He's not your prime minister. Your prime minister is your prime minister, but God is Lord. So in his government, in God's government, God is Lord. He's not prime minister. And though, I, though, you know, Boris Johnson's my prime minister and he's, well, I can't say he's yours because you may not have voted for him, but he's, he's mine. The thing is, is he is not God to me. He's a prime minister. But where, where does my help come from? Not Boris. My help comes from a guy on a white horse, not with a guy with white hair. So my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's who he is. My, my God is the maker of heaven and earth. That's my God. You've got to be able to describe your God. If you're going to know your God, you've got to know his attributes. You must at some point be able to tell others of his attributes. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel. Now insert your name there and read this with me. Read this out with me. He will not let my foot slip. He who watches over me will not let me, my feet, <coughs> excuse me, will not let me slumber. Indeed, he who watches over me, Tony, he who watches over Carol, you can put your own name in there. This is what you should be praying this week. This is your God. When you go to prayer, this is the God that you're worshipping and you're praying. You, may, you should be able to stand there with scripture in your hand and begin to declare the word over your own life. This is how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing what? The word of God. But that word that you must speak. So when you're worshipping the Lord this week and you're praying, take this word into you, into your room. And I say, I will lift my eyes to the Lord. Where does my help come from? Very quickly. Lord, my help comes from you. My help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, you won't let my foot slip. You watch over me and you don't slumber. Indeed, who watches over me? Tony will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord watches over Tony. The Lord is my shade at my right hand. <clears throat> he will not harm me by day nor by night. The Lord will keep me from harm. He will watch over my life. The Lord will watch over my coming, both sorry, watch over my coming and going both now forevermore. Now, last week when we spoke <clears throat> in our series of uh, discovering of God, we then put the next bracket was wake up and be ready. Wake up and be ready. Why is it so important? If we're going to serve God, we're going to know God, we're going to walk with God. The first thing we must be, we must be awake. We must be awake. Now, it's interesting when we look at the the uh, the attribute here. The first thing we see here is God lives in a perpetual state of readiness. He never sleeps nor slumbers. So God never goes to sleep. Now, that's a physical attribute because when you and I go to sleep, it's because we go to sleep so the body can go on charge. 
just like you would put your mobile phone on charge. When you go to sleep, that's exactly what's happening to your body physically, psychologically, emotionally. The, the whole unit, the power unit is all being recharged. I often say to Carol when I'm going to bed, I say I'm ready to power down. So as I power down, God powers, I plug myself in, get in my bed, turn over. And as I sleep, and if you have a good night's sleep, that is, I feel refreshed, recharged, ready to go. That's evidence that the body's been on charge. Some days it likes to stay on charge longer than others, certainly if it's cold outside. But God lives in a perpetual state of awareness. He never sleeps and he never slumbers. Well, wow. <clears throat> if we're to know him, we must understand that God is in charge. God watches over me 24-7. That is an amazing thing for God to do that. Imagine this. As one nation, as the sun rises in one nation and people wake up, people uh, go to their morning devotions because many, many, you know, many Christians have a morning devotion. And as they go to a morning devotion, God is there as the sun comes up. God is there ready to listen to the prayers of the saints as the sun is going down and people are kneeling down or having a prayer before they go to bed or whatever it is. God is there wherever the sun's rising or the sun's setting. God and light is is on the earth or being taken away from the earth. God is there to listen to the prayers of the saints wherever they are, whatever time of the world, uh, whatever time zone they live in, God is there listening to the prayers of the, of the saints. <clears throat> God speaks at every, at any time. God even sp speaks when you're asleep. When you're asleep, it's always good to have a pen and paper at the side of your bed. Why? Because in the middle of the night, God will drop strong thoughts into your spirit. And as you start to come out of your sleep subconsciously, you sense strong thoughts coming into your mind. And you're thinking, that is that just me dreaming? I'm not quite sure. But as you write those thoughts down and then you meditate them on the day, God will begin to show you throughout that day, throughout that week, that God spoke to you before something happened. And it's the way God speaks to us. And it's just God's just letting you know that God, though you might be asleep, God is not asleep. In fact, I think it was only the other week John John Matonga was sharing with us when he was in his induced coma, how he could hear his own spirit praying when he was in a coma. That's phenomenal. That is phenomenal to know that even there's a voice speaking when you're physically asleep, your spirit is still alive. And it's praying and it's and what it's saying is we're coming out. We're not staying here. Now, when your spirit is alive. Why did John's spirit start praying? I'm talking about not talking about the apostle John. I'm talking about John Matonga. Why was John's spirit praying? Because his spirit was alive. The always physical body was asleep and in a, in, a, in a place of rest and recovery. John's spirit was alive. And that spirit being alive was connecting with heaven. And God saying, it's OK, we're getting ready to come out. We're not even the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We're ready to come out. And it's important that there's a part of you that never sleeps nor slumbers. This is a part of being awake. We were going to know God. Your spirit man must be awake at all times so that when you're physically weak and sick, there is a spirit dynamic that is speaking for you from the inside. So it goes deep and you're undercover. But you think because I'm not speaking 
you know, that's why when people are sick and you're in bed, you think, oh, it's all over. No, if you've got an active spirit, your spirit will begin to speak even when your physical body's shutting down. I think, you know, John's uh, testimony was so encouraging and it gave me it gave me insight into the into the shadowlands. I'm going to call it the shadowlands, the part that we can't see, the part we don't always we don't know. We don't always understand. But that deep within his spirit. Proverbs tells us that a man's spirit will preserve him in his sickness. Why? Because that part that's connected to God. And that part that's inside of John or in you and I was alive. And God never sleeps nor slumbers. That means at any time God can speak to us and we must be ready to receive him. That's a very powerful thing. <clears throat> so the first thing we see is that God lives in a perpetual state. He never sleeps a readiness. Sorry. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Second thing we see is God watches over us. God, if we're going to know God, we need to know that God is a God who watches. His eyes are on the sparrow. Now, if his eyes are on the sparrow, how much more are his eyes going to be, excuse me, are going to be upon you and I? Because God loves us. His eyes are on us. He watches us. That's why when angels come to do our bidding, who do you think sent them? Heaven sent the angels to come and intervene in the affairs of men. Why? Because God's always watching. God's never caught off guard. God doesn't have, watch this, God does not have any blind spots. God does not have a blind spot. God sees all things at all times, everywhere. He sees the hidden things. He sees the things deep in your heart. He sees the, he sees the man who's plotting and scheming. He sees what's hidden in the darkness. Why? Because God sees. He watches. Now, we're going to know God. We know that there's nothing we can do that God does not know about. And that's why it's important for you to confess sin, because even though God knows it's there, it's you've got to realize it's there. And the importance of what your sin does in the sight of knowing God. God knows it's there. But God, that's why repentance says I'm going to bring what's hidden in my heart out to you so then you can reveal to me what's in your heart to me and then I see you as a forgiving loving father when you forgive me and you see me as a son or a daughter who messed up but says Lord can you forgive me will you forgive me so we get to know the healing forgiving restoring side of God by repenting it's important that we see that God watches and he watches over those uh, churches he watches over nations in this scripture he says he watches over israel israel was his beloved you are his beloved i'm his beloved god watches over his beloved church now if you're a part of his church then god watches over you so the second thing we learn about knowing god is that god is a watcher he's a keen observer of all things the third thing we learn from this scripture is god just doesn't watch, but he watches over my life. It's amazing how God, you know, if you've got two children, keeping your eye on one of them is enough. Just keeping your eye on one of them is enough. Certainly as uh, young Nala starts crawling and she starts walking, two eyes, I say two people watching her is not enough. You know, anyone who's raised any children, you turn your back on them and they're into something. 
in an instant. When the Christmas tree comes up, if you have a Christmas tree, man, the kids see that, the tinsel, and the kids gravitate to it, and the tree's coming down. As fast as it's, it's been put up, it's coming down with kids. You just have to have your eyes on children at all times. Kids find mischief when there was no mischief. They create it. That's the nature of a child, to be inquisitive. The nature of you is to be inquisitive. And God has to watch you. Why does he have to watch you? To save you from yourself. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more dangerous I become. <laughs> and I become dangerous because I become careless. Because I may not be as sharp, though I'm never going to tell my wife I'm not sharp. Though I may not be sharp, I may not be as, as alert in some areas. God has to watch over me because he has to save me from me. Because I'm capable of self exploding by the stupid things I do. It's amazing. But you see, God watches over you and I. But God wants you. God watches over those who have a healthy fear of God. I don't know about you, but I do fear God. I do have a healthy fear of God. I know who he is. I know the boundaries. I know those things now in my maturity with my walk with God. I know what upsets him. I know what breaks his heart. I know what troubles him. And I know when I am trouble, when I'm the trouble, when I'm the one that's upset him. I know that. I know that God watches over me because he loves me. But he says, Tony, the moment you stop respecting and having a healthy fear for me, our relationship's going to be in a serious condition. You watch those who don't have a healthy fear for God and watch watch the things they do and hear the things they say because they don't fear God. When people talk bad about other people, you know, it's 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 important to have a healthy fear of God. That God's listening. God's watching. God's recording everything that I say and do. Why? Because there will be a moment in my life when I'm going to stand before him. I'm going to give an account for everything I've said. So it's important that we have a healthy fear of God because the healthy fear of God will stop me going into territories that I should not go. to. And you also should have this inner awareness that there's places I cannot go. There are conversations I can't have. There are actions I cannot take. Why? Because the fear of God in my heart stops me from taking those decisions. And if I cut myself off from the fear of God, I the scripture says it's a dangerous thing. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. I don't want to fall in the hands of God and discover the fear of God there. I want to have a healthy fear so I can walk circumspectly before him. So the fourth thing we see in this is. He is my help and he's my he's my maker. God is my help and he is my maker. Now, the helper and the maker are one in the same person there's not two people there he's not there's not a helper and there's not a maker the helper is a maker do you know as children grow up i used to watch my mum time and time again and i'm sure any mums uh, i don't know in most homes today i think the the art of sewing and embroidery and all those kind of things you don't see many sewing machines in in young in young families homes today but that was something of my generation my mum would make her own curtains. She'd have a go at making dresses. I don't, not for me, that is. She'd make dresses for me. <clears throat> but 
but curtains. My mum would always be sewing. She'd always be patching up kids, you know, the kids' uh, socks. I mean, darning the socks, for goodness sake. I mean, now we just... You just go and buy a pair today. It's no, no big deal. But my mother was always there with a sewing, you know, um, sewing needles and um, what do you call it? The stitch and the thread, whatever you call it. The word won't come to my mind. But my mother was always needle and thread. That's it. Needle and thread. My mum was always doing something like that. Why? Because she was a she was a maker and she was a helper. And because in those days she didn't have the money to keep going buy his clothes. So the the attention was in repairing what you had. And she tried to make what was what was bad good. And then uh, she said, there they are, good on you. And then you go out and you try it, you road test it and you see how long it lasts. And then back to the your mother will be there again. And that seems to have gone. But now God doesn't stand up there and, and, and stitch and knit. He's not that kind of helper. But God is my helper. And he's my maker. So I need to know the difference between a helper and a maker. You, if you're going to know God, you have to know the difference between a helper and a maker. You see, in life today, there are many helpers. And there can be many makers. Now, I'm not going to go into the two, the two differences because you'll I'm selling the sizzle for the next the next adventure. But there is a difference between a helper and a maker. And I know God is both to me and to you and to us as a church. God makes a way where there is no way. There's a maker. God helps me in present times of trouble. So he's a help. He's not just a help in trouble. He helps me in every other way. But God makes a way where there is no other way. There are some things. There are some journeys that you're taking that you cannot get there on your own. God has to make the way right now. The path seems as if it's blocked. The road is blocked. Right now on Ashnoro Road, for anybody who's traveling up Ashnoro Road the last couple of uh, this last week, it's been a nightmare trying to get home. You just every side street has been closed off because they've been doing the work on Ashnoro Road. It's like a maze. I had to go down to Greymare Lane to go to church. It's totally the opposite way. I had to go half a mile down the road to come half a mile back up the road. There was no way. But God makes a way. He says left, right. Don't put this investment, not that investment, this one. So God is your maker and he is your helper. You know, if God says I have plans to prosper you and to give you hope in the future. That means there's times in your life when you've got no plan. There's times in your life when you when you when it seems to be that your plan doesn't create any hope. But God says, if you play, if you work by my plan. My plan will give you hope and I'll give you hope. I'm, I'm your helper and I'll make a way. It all depends how you and I want to follow that plan. The moment you've got plans for yourself is the moment you'll have more roadblocks than you have straight, you know, straight throughs. So we must see that I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Well, it first and foremost, it comes from above. Your help might you, you might think, well, all my help comes from my bank balance. It might come from my family. It might come from my friends. Well, that's nice to have those people around. But what happens when they're not there? My help comes from above. That's my foundation. I build on that foundation. If God uses other people around me, that's wonderful. But I'm always mindful. Who sent the help? Who sent the help? 
God sent the help. So I stand on that. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let my foot slip. In other words, he wants to keep me upright. He who watches over you will not slumber. Thank you, Lord, that you don't fall asleep. Thank goodness for that, Lord. You're not asleep. Indeed, he who watches over Tony, put your name in there. Listen, will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over me. The Lord is my shade. <clears throat> His shade at my right hand. The sun will not harm you by day. In other words, I won't get burnt. The moon by night. I won't get overtaken, swept away by the tides. The tides, the shifting sands, I should say, the shifting weather patterns of life, political, economical, relational. I won't get taken out by things that just blindside me. No, why? Because God's watching over me. The sun will not harm me by day, the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from, watch this, all harm. Not harm, all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now, forevermore. Now, who doesn't want to know a God like that? Who doesn't want to know a God like that? Well, I do know a God like that. So. Mm -hmm. So now we understand a little bit more about God. We see his position as being one of a guardian. He's our father. He's more than a guardian. He's a father. He watches over nations. He watches over churches. He watches over people. He's one who doesn't sleep nor slumber. He stands watch 24, 7, 365 days a year. He's our helper. He's our maker. Now, all that lives inside of mortal flesh and blood. And he knows that you do sleep. And he knows that you do slumber. But he's confident in his position of one who doesn't sleep or slumber. But he knows that those who follow him have the potential to sleep and to slumber. Now, God created you and he knows your strengths and he knows your weaknesses. He needs you to know your strengths and weaknesses. And he needs you and I to know his strengths. God doesn't have weakness. God doesn't have a weakness. He just knows. He just wants you to know, excuse me, wants you to know your strength. Now, understanding that weakness that you carry inside of you and, and, and in me. It's important that we understand what God expects from us, his servants. It's important knowing that we have limitations, we have containment. But knowing that he has none of those things, he's all sufficient. He never sleeps, never slumbers, able to watch, has no blind sides. That relationship is a dynamic. How this sovereign God is interested in a man who has weaknesses, has frailties, a man who has the potential to sleep and slumber. But yet there's a God who never sleeps and slumber. Why would a God want to match himself with someone who's vastly inferior? That's the father's nature to love us the creation the creator loves his creation when i was younger i saw my dad as superman there was nothing my dad couldn't do now he knew different <laughs> but in my mind in my eyes my dad could scale a wall there was nothing too difficult for my dad he was the best fighter in the street he was the best fighter in the school playground you know, and I, you just because that's the child's confidence in their father or, you know, that he is this. I'm going to use the word. He's like a God to them. He's not God, but he's he's a super dad. God wants you to have that kind of mentality 
to know when you know God is your helper and your maker, you know that there's nothing too difficult for God to do. Even though you're weak, he is strong. That's why he says when you're weak, then you're strong. Why? Because of the one who's in, who lives inside you. So God wants us to know some things about him. So that we can live with this confidence that of this super God that we live because God is a super God. Now, watch this. God warns us about the consequence of being asleep when we should be awake. Now, remember, he's created us to sleep. And he's created us to be awake. Now, you cannot be asleep when you should be awake. And you cannot be awake when you should be asleep. Now, in the spirit, in the actually, let's take the natural side, the natural side, when you are burning the candle at both ends, you're going to you internally, you're going into decline. Eventually, you will sh shut down. You can't focus. Eventually, you, your body will just burn out. But spiritually, see the implications when you are asleep and you should be awake spiritually that carries a serious implication on your life i'm going to show you watch this in proverbs 6 9 proverbs chapter 6 9 so the heading is god warns us about the consequence of being asleep when we should be awake god never sleeps nor slumbers he created you to sleep but he also created you to be awake you must know the time. That's the physical. But in the spiritual, you must always be awake and alert. So watch this. Proverbs 6, 9, he asked the question, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? <laughs> That's very affectionate language. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man what he's saying here is there's a time for you to be awake and there's a time for you to be asleep now if you get that season wrong in your spiritual life things are going to attack you and take and deplete you and here he's saying that poverty poverty will come now, why does poverty come? Because I was asleep when I should have been awake. I was asleep when I should have been working. I was asleep when I should have been given attention. I should have been guarding. I should have been cultivating. I should have been sowing. I should have been planting. I should have been reaping. Why? Because there's a time for that to take place. And if I'm asleep, those things can't take place. And the thief will come in and take its opportunity, knowing that my defenses are down and I'm asleep. Some people walk like the, some people's Christian walk, walk like they're asleep. And some Christians live like they're full of life. And the one who comes into poverty is because they're of the sleep and the slumber that the attitude that they have in their life. The indiscipline, the ill discipline. Not to take to t uh, pay attention. It's so important. It's not about just going to work. We know the natural. Way. I've got to get up in the morning. I've got to go to work. I've got to get me wage. But this is in, this is spiritually in every area of our life. God is saying the seeds that I'm planting in you have given you. And because you become lazy, 
the devourer comes in, the fox comes in and he begins to ravage your vineyard. And because you're asleep, taking life in a casual mentality, the, uh, the enemy comes in and ru ruins your vineyard. When God gives you seed, you have to work with it. Whether it's physical or spiritual, you must work with everything God gives you because there's going to be a consequence. I'm going to show you now. So God warns us about the consequence of being asleep without being awake and when we should be awake. Secondly, animals hibernate. Animals hibernate because they know their time and they know their season. But you are not an animal. You are not an animal. Therefore, you must not function like one. You can't go to sleep for four months a year. In the kingdom, you cannot be asleep for four months of the year. There is no sleep in the kingdom. Stay awake. Stay awake. Because even when you physically don't feel on your game, your spirit can still be alive. As we've already seen that spiritual food, spiritual health and nourishment must all be used to bring fruit and production. The food that you receive has to go to work. You know, after we finish this, many of us will go and have some lunch. And reason why we have lunch is not because we have that thing inside our stomach saying, feed me, feed me. It goes beyond that. The moment you put those that food into your body, out of that food comes nourishment and it begins to feed and go to work in all aspects of your body. It feeds it feeds so many aspects of your body. It keeps your brain awake. It hydrates. It does all kinds of things. It doesn't only take the, the hunger pain away. It actually brings strength and health to your body. So the food goes to work when you swallow it. When you receive this word. This word has to go to work in you. If you don't put it to work. It just becomes you put weight on. And then it gets harder and harder to move because we just keep putting more and more and more weight on and we can never move. And our, our movements are now hindered. And that's how we end up going into a slumber. It's amazing. How you always want to go to sleep after you've had something to eat. <clears throat> Why? If you eat at the wrong times of day or you eat the wrong foods, then you want to go. To, you're going to a sleepy mode. And when you get to my age, you become prehistoric. You end up having a daddy naptus in the afternoon or something like that. The sleep comes on you. And the thing is, you've got to be careful that you eat. You don't eat heavily at lunchtime. Or certainly not in our culture. If you're if you were in the French culture, they have a big meal and they have something light at the night. That's that's culture. But what I'm saying is food can make us go sleepy. And in, in church, we've got so, so much food and we've got so many, so much food living in the lives of God's people who are in a state of sleep and slumber. They do nothing with it. So Romans 3, 13. Romans 13. Verse 10, I read this scripture to us last week. So remember what I've just said, I, animals hibernate. They know their time and season, but you're not an animal and you shouldn't function like one. You are a living, breathing human being who lives in a body, possesses a soul and a spirit. And God, there, God lives there by his nature inside of you.
Everything from heaven is alive. Don't let the flesh and blood kill it. So Romans 13, 1, it says, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Then he says this. Now do this understanding the present time. There is a function that God expects from you. Love does no harm. So he says, practice love, walk in love. It does no harm. It's only got good. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. But then he says this and do this. So there's a time to do something with the word that's inside of you. If you know the law, what the word of God, there's a time for it to manifest in you. And that time is now. Then he says this. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. The hour. Now, for you listening to my voice this morning, this could be the hour that the word awakens you and quickens you this morning for you. Because watch this, because your salvation is nearer now than it was when you first believed. Now. When we look at the plans and purposes of God, do you know the plans and purposes of God was not just for you to go to heaven? Just stop there. Religion says religion tries to prepare you to go to heaven. But the kingdom prepares, trains and encourages you to bring heaven to earth. The kingdom is about bringing heaven to earth, not about you going to heaven. That's going to happen. But what you do here will determine what eternity looks like for you and I. The part of the plan was for you to say, our father who art in heaven, blessed be your holy name. Thy kingdom come as it is in heaven. So it will show, so shall be on the earth. The earth should be a, sh a mirror of what's up taking place in the heavens that God wanted the heavens to come on the earth. He doesn't just want you to go to heaven. But in your life, can you bring heaven to earth? Now, you have to be awake for that. You have to know your time. You have to know you at your hour. Don't spend all your all your time and, and, and energies making yourself prosperous, making yourself stronger. Think about the word that's inside of you. What is the word telling you to do? It's not wrong taking care of your needs. That's not. Let me make that abundantly clear. It's not wrong to take. In fact, it's responsible to take care of your needs. It's responsible to put seed in the ground for a future. It is responsible. So it's responsible, not irresponsible. It is responsible. However, the kingdom must come forth in everything you do. The kingdom must come forth. Our salvation is nearer today than it was the day I first accepted Jesus. I'm getting nearer to meeting him. If he can't, if I die tonight, I've been a Christian for 30 odd years. So my salvation is nearer now than it was than the first day I accepted Christ. So I must live knowing that I am getting closer to that day. I'm getting closer to the day when God is going to call me home. But guess what, Lord? I don't want to come home just yet. Why? Because there's much more to do for you. I want to bring the kingdom to the earth. I want to affect as many lives as I can. Lord, 
give me more time. Give me more time. He said, well, OK, time's no good to you, Tony, if you're going to sleep, if you're going to sleep and be slum, uh, in a slumber state. I'll give you more time. Paul said this, you know, to be absent from you and to be present with the Lord is a far better thing. However, watch this. But for your sake. For your sake, I'm going to stay here. Why? Because there's much kingdom work to do here on the earth right now. So I'm going to dedicate what's left of my life to you so I can bring the kingdom to earth. We're all going to go to heaven if we keep following God. But let's let's with the years we've got left, let's bring heaven to earth. Let's bring heaven to earth. And he's saying the hour has come for you. There's a time when you wake up to that fact and I wake up to that fact that now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. You, today you can have a conversation with someone and you can bring them into the kingdom. One conversation. Wow. So. You know, when they say. Uh, you know, a weather warning, when you listen to weather warnings. It says this. We want to know what's what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. So we go on the news and I often I always uh, mess around playfully mess around me with uh, Carol. And I say to her, why do you listen to the weather weather report? They're just a bunch of liars. They never get it right. No. All the technology. I call them. Go on. What do you normally say? I'm asking you. When when he, when Tony will say to me, what's the weather report? And I tell him he'll go, which horseman is that today? No, I said, which which portion of Revelation are you going to read to me today? Yeah, exactly. So when Carol gives the weather, I don't know if the white horse is going to ride, the black horse, the red horse, because it's always going to be doom. <laughs> Carol, the weather. I've never got to the part when Carol tells me the weather report where the sun's going to shine. It's going to be a glorious day. <laughs> you know, she makes she always makes it sound ap uh, apocalyptic. So, <laughs> but the weather, he says, you know, when when heavy rain or wind or snow is expected. We call it a weather warning and it's issued by the forecasters or the predictors or I'll call them the liars. They are to advise people about the level of care. Watch this. When a weather warning is given, they are they give it to advise the people the level of care they need to take depending on the conditions. The warnings have different colors depending on how bad and potentially dangerous the weather is. Now. Every time you and I read God's word, it's a weather report. God's telling you what tomorrow can be like. He's telling you what today is going to be like. He's telling you what your future is going to be like. He tells you how to prepare for it. He tells you what's coming in advance. And he tells you what to wear. In other words, the armor. He tells you how to gear up. They say in, in Scandinavia that there's no such thing as bad weather. It's just bad, wrong choice of clothing. Because the weather's so cold. Now. God, when I read in my Bible, I don't know about you, I've got red letters and I've got black letters. When the red letters I read, that's Jesus's words and the, the black letters are other people's words. So there's two color codes I've got in my Bible. Now, if you look in my Bible, I got more colors than a rainbow. Why? Because I color my Bible in. I'm like a little child. Why? I do one color with promises, one with instruction, one with grief. I have all different colors in my Bible. Why? Because these are key codes to me. So when I look at my Bible, I know when I look at a color, I know what I'm looking for. And I've learned to have my own weather report in scriptures. So that tells me I need a certain response 
to what I'm reading and I have a certain expectation from what I'm reading. That's a good weather report. Now, whether you will read it and heed it is another thing. But you must have your own built in weather report. I can tell you the weather report for Tony's life. There will be trouble ahead. <laughs> but God is my helper and he's my maker. I do believe I have better days ahead of me, but I've got some glorious days in front of me. I plan for the worst and hope for the best. Why? Because I know I don't expect it to be glorious sunshine until, to, uh, you know, from now till the day I meet the Lord. I know there's going to be trouble. I know there's going to be trouble. That's fine. I'm OK with that because that's where I grow. That's what I learn to know. That's what I learned to go. And that's what I learned to sow. These are the things that I know that God uh, expects from me. And I grow. I'm a better person for trials and tribulations. And so are you. So let me bring this thing to a close. Matthew 13, 11. And my point is, God is happy to reveal to you the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. But if you don't stay, stay awake, that which has been revealed will be taken away from you. How do you know that? Well, I'm glad you ask. Let's go to Matthew 13, verse 11. In Matthew 13, 11, it says he replied, the knowledge, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Who's it been given to? You, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. Oh, we like that part. But watch this. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is why I speak to them in parables, though saying they don't understand, though hearing they do not hear and understand. We must remember that everything God speaks to us, he gives to us in seed form. Seed, he gives it in seed. Why? Because now the soil of your heart is now going to be the environment for anything that God gives to us to grow and to flourish. Now, let's go back to. God never sleeps or slumbers, but you do. Now, we looked at that. If we sleep in the wrong time when we should be awake, Luke tells us that he uses the illustration of the birds of the air. And the birds of the air are a type and shadow of demonic forces that come and steal seed. So when God gives you a seed, and you walk it and you're in a meeting and you feel all good and you feel, Woo, wow, I feel vibrant this morning. God's really encouraged me. And then you do nothing with the seed and it's lay in the soil, but it's not taken care of. The birds of the air come and steal what was sown. And therefore, what you had was now taken away and you're left in a worse state. So many Christians seem worse today than they were before they got saved. And you think, how can that be? I'll tell you why. Because they've left their field to some, and gone somewhere else. They're in the wrong field. And everything that gets sown gets left for the enemy to come 
and steal the seed. And that's why some Christians prosper and other Christians don't. This is why some Christians advance in their Christian life and others don't. The only difference between one who's prosperous and advancing is the one who does something with what's been given. That's the only difference. God gave both people the seed. The only difference is one was diligent. The other one wasn't. The birds of the air came and they robbed the seed. But both people were given the seed. And this is why so many Christians say, well, if you get prosperous, it's your responsibility to help me as your brother. What a load of nonsense. Absolute bunkum. There's a reason why I or you or they may be advancing and you're not. It's because they are considered good soil. If I open my Bible and you open your Bible, where's the advantage there? Two people are reading the Bible. One person, we can read the same scripture. One reads it and sees the principle there, takes the seed, starts working with the seed. The other one read it and said, didn't understand it, didn't mean anything to me. What's the difference there? One just lent in. We both opened the Bible. We both opened the same portion of scripture. One drew something from it and put it to work. The other one didn't go back for the understanding. They didn't even ask anyone to help them explain. They just opened it and went, yeah, I don't understand it and walked away. More effort was required at that point from that person. Because the other person who read from it, they don't open the scriptures every time, just like you, and get something from every piece of portion of scripture they read. They have to apply a greater effort to draw some understanding from it, because that's what shows God that we are serious about us knowing him. I've read my scriptures a thousand times and think, you know what? There's no point. It's not nothing's clicking with me today. Nothing is clicking. The heavens feel like brass. But you know what? Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll open the Bible and I'll say, God, you've got to show me something. I need you to speak to me. Even my colors are not speaking to me. Even the red letters are not speaking to me. Nothing in this word is speaking. But then guess what? I take a step back and I say, this is not right. God, I need you to speak to me. Now I start changing me first. I start worshiping, start thinking, Lord, is my heart right? Okay, I'm going back again. Why? Because when I go back again, Lord, I need you to speak to me. So now for I put a demand on God to speak. And when I say a demand, I don't say you have to speak. What I'm saying, I'm showing an urgency and a tenacity. Lord, I need to hear your voice. I'm not casual about it. I don't close my Bible and say, because he didn't speak to me today. I'm not going to be bothered with it all week. I go back again. And there's times and times when I'm reading, I just don't understand. So more effort is required. If I pick this thing up and play with it, like your mother puts your food down and you play with your, your food. What's she say? Stop playing with the food and eat it. Well, I'm not really interested. And then she tries to bribe you with some dessert afterwards. If you don't eat your dinner, you don't get the dessert. God doesn't do that. God doesn't put on, doesn't have a spoonful of ice cream here and some cabbage there. And it says, son, if you eat the cabbage, you can have the ice cream. I'd say, shove it. I don't want your ice cream. The cabbage is worse than the ice cream is better. God doesn't play those games. He said, come on, son, let's mature. Cabbage is good for you. Greens are good for you. But I want the ice cream. 
Ice cream is not good for you. It just tastes nice. Well, I like that. And that's how many Christians listen to the word. I don't like I only want to listen to a word that tastes nice. That sounds nice. God says cabbage, broccoli, sprouts, all the asparagus, all the stuff you don't like. Can you put some gravy on it for me then? Okay, we'll put some gravy on it. (laughs) And that's how we are with the word. So wake up and be ready. Last scripture. Oh, my Lord, I've got so much. Okay, let's go to one last scripture, I promise you, and then we're going to come around the communion table. Ezekiel chapter 20. So, God is happy to reveal the secrets of the knowledge, but if you don't stay awake, things get taken away from you. Guys, I really want to stress this to you, that, I don't want to see your seed being trampled underground and I don't want to see the enemy steal your seed because seed in this day. Watch, listen to me, seed in this hour. There's going to be a distinction in the body of Christ. And the distinction in this time is going to be those who carry the seed. You're going to see it clearly. There's going to be seed carriers. And there's going to be those who can't who don't carry seed. And those who carry the seed of God will flourish through a pandemic and beyond. Why? Because only the word of God can speak and keep speaking when everything around us is saying something completely the opposite. There is a famine coming. There is a famine coming, a financial, economical famine coming to the world. You've not COVID has not yet. See, it has not really hit the world in ways that it's going to. The effects of COVID are going to be seen over the next coming years. Your seed and what you do with your seed will determine whether you flourish or you get swamped by what's happened. Financially, spiritually, you have to pay attention because if you fall asleep in this time, I'm telling you now, guys, some of you will not survive the winter. Hear the prophetic warning. Stay awake. Stay alert. Your father doesn't go to sleep. Therefore, spiritually, neither should we. We must know, be about our father's business. We must know what needs to be done and what to do. And Ezekiel here, listen to what happens in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse one. In the seventh year, in the fifth month of the of the tenth day, very specific. Some of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord. And they sat down in front of me. Now. So here we see men wanting to hear the voice of the Lord for their time. Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is the prophet. Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them. Now listen to what he says. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Have you come to inquire of me? As surely as I live, I will not let you inquire of me. Declares the sovereign Lord. Wow. Wow. A nation here is coming to the prophet to find out what God's word is for the nation. God's seen their behavior, seeing that they've walked in a slumber and they've been asleep, 
seeing how the forefathers walked. He takes all this into account and he says this to the prophet. Tell him. Heaven's closed. Heaven's not going to speak to them. It's not going to give them the clarity. It's not going to give them the wisdom. It's not going to give them the insight. I am closing the heavens over this group of people and I refuse to speak to them. Wow. Can you imagine a prophet, God telling a prophet to say that to you and to me? We stand up in church or we sit down in church and a prophet says, I've got the word of the Lord for you. The Lord says, you're inquiring of him in this season, but he's not going to say, say anything to you. Now, that sounds strange. But this is what happened in this particular scenario. People are asking all kinds of questions. They want all types of answers. And yet, if they would only turn to the helper and maker. If they turn back to. Where's it gone? If I lift my eyes to the hills and I ask, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Why? Because he will not let my foot slip. He who watches over me will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Tony will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, we all want this promise. But that's true when you walk with God. When you walk with God and your state is that you don't sleep and slumber, you're awake in your season. God has something to watch and something to protect. But if you're going to be asleep, what does God have to protect? Hello? What does God have to protect? Why? No, so many people will say the enemy attacks me. The enemy attacked me. The enemy attacked me. Half the time, rubbish. The enemy doesn't have to attack you when you're doing nothing. The enemy attacks you when you're doing something, when you're standing for something, when you're proclaiming something. The enemy comes against you. But for most Christians, the enemy's not bothered. The enemy's not touching you because if you're in a state of sleep and slumber, why does the enemy have to touch you? You're already in a good in a perfect place for him. But if you're walking and working with God, then he comes to try and resist us. Then he tries to come and break us down. So the out the word in this hour is be ready. We don't ever want to be as a as a church to assemble. And God not be able to speak to us. We don't want to bring prophetic ministries into the house only as that man has been waiting in his in his in his house, ready for the meeting to come to our church to speak to us. God says, I've nothing to say to them. Why? Because they're not in a state of readiness. This church is in a place of sleep and slumber. I, as a pastor, and I speak for Paul and, and Phil in this and, and our wives, we never, ever want a prophet to be able to stand in our pulpit and say, God's got nothing to say to us. You know, one of the reasons why our house is a prophetic house is because we welcome the prophetic word and we've opened our hearts to the prophetic word, not just to hear it, but to step into it because they're seeds. And these seeds, then the moment the prophet speaks and he gives us a word, then we've got to go to work with the seed and put the seed to work and water it. First of all, we've got to plant it, water it, take care of it. Don't go to sleep around it. Work with the seed and the seed will work with you. There's a phrase. Work with the seed and the seed will work for you. Work with the seed and the seed will work for you. Whatever you've got from this morning's message. 
I trust that you will write down the points that speak to you and immediately, immediately you'll begin to put these things right. And you'll say, Lord, my hearing has been a bit dull. My eyes have been a bit faint. And oh God, I do not want to come to this point anymore. I want to stay awake. I don't want what's been given to me to be taken away. I don't want to feed the enemy with my seed, seed that was given to me. Why do I need to feed the enemy with my seed? God gave it to me, so I need to put it to work. So I'm going to ask you now to get your bread and wine. But before we do that, Dave, I'm going to ask you to play that video, if you will. Which one do you want? Uh, you just choose, Dave, whatever. OK. Both of them are good. We only play one, though. And I want you, just before David plays this, to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11, as we take communion in a minute. And I want you to zoom in on this. <coughs> this phrase here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And we'll, we'll say this again in a minute, but I just want to bring this to your attention as we're playing this video. I want you to reflect on what I'm, uh, this portion of scripture. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. I've just done that this morning. What I received from the Lord, I've passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread and when he gave thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we need to be awake and stay alert to do things in remembrance of God. When we become asleep and slumber, we stop paying attention to the things that we should do. In the same way, after somebody took the cup, saying, this is the cup, the new covenant, my blood. This uh, this whatever you drink it, remembrance, do it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, this is where we've got to pay attention. We do not want to take communion in an unworthy manner. We must pay attention. Stay awake. Be awake in our time. And a man ought to examine himself. Well, when you're in a state of slumber, you don't examine yourself. You need to examine yourself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment upon himself. This is a serious issue. This is why, watch this now, this is why, this is what, this is the reason now, the consequence of not doing this. This is what he says. This is why many you are weak and sick. This is why, can you imagine? Because they've not paid attention in the right areas of their life. Now their bodies begin to feel sick. So because they've ignored a spiritual principle, they now begin to feel the weight in the physical realm of their body. Watch. This is why many among you are weak and sick. So weak and sick is two states. And then it says, and a number of you have fallen asleep. And do you know what that word means? They died. They died. 
all because they took the cup in the wrong manner. When they should have been serious, they were flippant and casual, dismissive. They were in a state of sleep and slumber. And people think, oh, it's just taking communion. No, 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 no. This is a spiritual principle that is alive. When you do this, remember me. There's the focus point. Christ. Remember what I did for you. Remember what it's done for you. And remember what it's doing inside of you. And he's telling us to be very, 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 very careful about the, the attitude of our heart of a way we take this communion. We must do it sober minded. Why? Because the consequences is many of you then become weak and sick. And. Fall asleep, fall asleep is not going to sleep. It means died. So many have gone home too early. Because of the way that they've allowed the condition of their heart to be around the things of God. Guys, this is a very, very sobering thing I say to you this morning. Before we take communion, a man must examine himself to make sure that you'll not become like that animal who's hibernating. God is trying to feed you and nourish you in a time when you should be awake. And if you're asleep, you'll dismiss everything that God's doing and wants to do around you. So. Understanding that, I want you to have a moment of reflection as we watch this or as we listen to this video. I want you to, to concentrate and say, Lord, if I'm weak and I'm sick in my body right now, I'm saying it could be it possibly just think about it. It may not be the result of why you're feeling sick, but I'm asking you to examine yourself. Is my weakness, my sickness, a spirit, a reflection of a spiritual state, not just a physical condition? I'm asking you, I'm not saying it is. I'm asking you to examine yourself. OK, thanks, Dave. Would you do it again? Would 
Receive from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. And let's thank him that he did this for me. Let us all give thanks for what he's done. He said he did this for me. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Well, Lord, I remember you this morning. I remember you, Lord. I remember what you did for me. I remember what you did for me and now it's affecting me. And how it's transforming me and how it's working its way in me. Oh, God, salvation is working. Lord, I thank you for salvation. And I pray, oh God, for salvation's power to continue to work in me. As I take this bread, Father, I celebrate yes. the power of God is now alive within me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son. He said in the same way. The same attitude, the same thinking, the same mindset in the same way. After supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it and remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, the Lord's death has produced life in you. And you've now got the Lord of the life of the spirit in you that testifies that this is a real event. This took place and that death and that resurrection is now working in you. Amen. So let's take the wine. The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Thank you for the covenant. Oh, God, the covenant carries promises. It carries principles. It carries protocols. It carries so much that you and I still need to discover. And that's why we need to embark on the journey of the discovery of knowing God. And we need to be awake first in order to understand this. So this morning we take the cup, Lord, and the covenant this morning of which we're a part of. And we thank you, Father, for your son, for giving us your son, for making the sacrifice, the shedding of his own blood for our sins. Thank you, Lord.
And he says, therefore, who eats this bread, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup, that's you and me. But they do it in an unworthy manner. Will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And we've done that this morning. We've done that. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Well, we've done that. And hopefully in our time of reflection, we put right what was needs to be put right. We've recognized what needs to be recognized and we're celebrating what needs to be celebrated. This is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. And that's a very serious result that took place because these people didn't honor what God was was telling them. If we judge, but if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Thank goodness for that. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not be in self-indulgent. See the wrong attitude, the wrong practice. And when I come, I will give you further directions i want us now for those who are sick those who are weak in their flesh weakness can be due to stress can be due to fatigue it can be due to many many things sickness is sickness weakness is weakness we're going to take the promise of the covenant this morning and we're going to lay hands on ourselves, and we're going to declare the promises of god that I lift my open, open your Bible. If you've got it to Psalm 121, if you still got it there in front of you, let's declare it over our, our, our self this morning. I mm. declare who the I is. Put your name there. I, Tony, mm. you, whatever your name is. As, as I see people on my screen in front of me, I see um, Jean and Alvin. These are the people in my window so far. Linda. Tembi and, and Z and the children, uh, Nisa and uh, Anna, Emma and Jake and uh, Lisa and Sam Tilbrook. They're the people in my direct my window. Mm -hmm. So as we are going to as you're in my window, <coughs> the, t the 1040 window, as we say, as we're in this window now, we're going to say our names. Mm -hmm. I lift my eyes to the hills. And I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. He is my maker. And he is my helper of the heavens and the earth. He will not let my foot slip. I thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you that you watch over me and you do not slumber. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you watch over me and you see my weakness and my sickness right now. Lord, you're watching over me. You're my shade. You're my shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm me by day, nor the moon by night. Father, whatever the condition is, Lord, my body is coming into health. Because of the covenant that you have made with me and I made with you through your blood and through your body. Father, I declare myself whole. I declare my body well. I declare an end to sickness and I declare an end to weakness i will not bow down to sickness i will not bow down to weakness i refuse it over my life this is not the covenant promise 
and I reject it right now. And I receive the promise of God, strength and health over my body right now in Jesus name. Father, you are my helper. You are my maker. Lord, you will keep my body from harm. You will watch over my life. And the Lord, you will watch over my coming and my going forevermore. Father, this is the covenant that I have made with you and you have made with me. I am your son. I am your daughter today. And this is my portion. This is my inheritance. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my lawgiver. The Lord is my Lord deliverer. Father, and I love you this morning in Jesus name. I thank you, Father, by the mercies of God and the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.